Welcome back, dear listeners, to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod, and with me for this episode is a longtime friend, and not just me, but of the podcast as well, MVD. How are you? Good to have you back on, mate. Thanks, Casper. It's been a while, but uh, glad to be back, and uh, great to have you uh, a part. Of, or great to be back with with you, mate. Thank you very much, MVD. Great to have you back as always. Now, uh, in case this is your first episode that you're listening to, dear listener, or you need a little bit of a refresher, basically three different parts to the podcast. Section one, MVD and I, we're going to review the round that's just been, round 15. We're going to give our top two highlights, top two lowlights. And in section two, we'll go into more details about the major talking points to come out of the weekend. And then in section three, we'll preview round 16. It's going to be an absolutely monster weekend to come. But let's, before we get to the future, let's go back to the past for a minute. Some surprising results in round 15 MVD. Um, I'll let you start off with this one. What were your top two highlights of round 15? St Kilda's win for me was by far and away the best result out of the weekend. Um just the way they they went about it, how clinical that they were to keep the reigning premiers to two goals um, was just phenomenal. So congratulations to St Kilda. Um, my other highlight, a bit selfish, but to see the, some of the young players coming through and what they did um, against GWS for Hawthorne um, was amazing. Yes, GWS have a terrible record at the MCG. I was very glad when I heard that they got transferred to the MCG because we have a terrible record at Giant Stadium. So would I be saying the same thing if it was where it was originally scheduled to be played? Probably not, but it was good to see uh, Denver Granger Barras um, make his long away to debut. Um, and yeah, the Hawks get up over the, the Giants in a giant upset. I see what you did there. Um, now, MVD, I, I must ask you, uh, this, I'm, I'm not saying this as an excuse for the Giants. The Giants, if they want to be playing finals football, they need to be winning against North Melbourne, which they didn't do a couple of weeks ago, and against Hawthorne, no matter where the game is. Right. But I have to ask, do you think it's fair that the Giants game, which was a home game for GWS, was played at the MCG? Really? Yes, really. You're asking me this? Yes. After what we had last year? Yes. With all the bubbles and all that sort of thing. Absolutely. It's just the way things are at the moment, Casper. You've got to play a game of footy. It doesn't matter who's in, who's home, who's away. They played a game of footy. So be it. Yes, GWS. But, I mean, let's be honest. How many of those supporters were GWS supporters? Probably not many. How many, how many supporters do GWS have? Probably not Probably many. Not many. <laughs> like, that's, that's to be perfectly honest, where they're at. So, I, I, yes, GWS should have won. Yes, they are that much better than what we're Hawthorne are at the moment. But they didn't, and it was a giant upset, and we, we got the win. I don't care. You could have played them on the moon for all I care. I think Hawthorne probably still would have beaten them on the moon. Mm. Like the only place Hawthorne wouldn't have beaten them was at Giant Stadium. Fair point. Fair point. Another question I want to ask. Uh, O'Brien, was that the best mark of the year? Try to not be biased. Was it the best mark of the year or or is it mark of the year? Is that, which one are you saying? Okay, touche. Is it mark of the year? I don't think so. Okay. I think Bolton's was better. Okay. Fair enough. Um, 
and how anyway we're not i'm not going to get started as to how that didn't get mark of the week um i, I do think bolton's was better yeah fair point um O'Brien's, yeah, good. He is a big man. Bolton's a small man, so that kind of helps that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, is that fair? Yeah, no, absolutely. For me, what, what what's your thoughts? Did you think it was Mark of the Year? Because people don't listen to what I say because I'm biased. <laughs> um, uh, just because the Olympics are coming up, I'll say it'll get a podium finish. Yeah, right. Bronze. But for me, and everyone's going to talk about Bolton, but Rewalt's mark was incredible. Like, I, I, I would not be surprised if, if Rewalt um, manages to snatch mark of the year off of Bolton. Uh, oh, I agree with that too. Don't get me wrong. I think that was, I think that was pretty really good one too. But yeah, I don't know whether it'll get there. No. Mm. Well, I guess we'll see come the end of the season. Who knows? Somebody in the final few weeks could take just an un- could take the mark of the century, and then they have to surely be the favourites. Um, my number one highlight. Uh, I'll go piggyback off of what you say. Saint Kilda. Just where did that come from? I left a comment on um, social media. There's a there's a YouTuber slash social media. Um, uh, uh, page that does um, reviews of St Kilda matches. You can check them out on Facebook and on YouTube. It's called Saints TV. Definitely recommend great content. Um, and I've watched pretty much every single review of theirs pretty much since the Essendon game in round three. And the amount of frustration that has come from that channel, it's been palpable so far this year. And I left a comment on the uh, under the review of the Richmond game saying, if I was a St. Kilda supporter, on the one hand, I would be super psyched because that performance was awesome. But I would be furious too. Why has it taken until round 15 to produce that? And why in a year where you beat the Tigers by 40 points, hold them to their lowest score since 1961, their eighth lowest score ever, you also lose to Essendon by 75 points, Port Adelaide by nine goals, Richmond earlier in the year by 86 points, and the Dogs by 111 points. But leaving aside that what's come before, this has got to be the upset of the season so far. And there's been some massive upsets, don't get me wrong. Collingwood beating Melbourne uh, all the way back in round one, even though Sydney's done pretty well since then. Sydney beating Brisbane, that was a massive upset. The Crows beating mm. Long for crying out loud. But this is the upset of the season, not just because of where they were last year, but where they've been the first part of the year, those two teams. I, look, I've got a mate who's of, he's an avid St Kilda supporter. And um, I'm just trying to find the text message chain that went through in regards to it last week. He, uh, a friend and another mutual friend who I... Uh, who we who do a bit of commentary with uh, just gave him the eyes as if to say, are you kidding me? Look at what's going on here. And then he turns around and goes, give it time as a St Kilda supporter. That was probably about three quarter time or half time. He, he, they, St Kilda supporters are the most bipolar, you know. Hard to blame them when they support a team like the Saints. Yeah. My second highlight for me, um, it's a tie between these two teams. I'm going to mention them both, but two top, Four contenders, two teams currently in the top four, had monster victories. Um, not just who they played, but also in terms of margin. The Lions on Thursday night 
monkey off the back kind of a win. Since the Miracle on Grass, before Thursday night, they had only been in Geelong once, and that was late 2019, the Lincoln-McCarthy mark. Yep. Uh, that was a great game of football. Thursday night, not so much. The Lions, uh, I think, proved that they should be off of Melbourne's, I don't want to say mediocre form, but pretty mediocre form of late, um, you know, losing to Collingwood, barely beating the Bombers. I think Brisbane should be premiership favourites based off of not just that win, but their last nine to 10 weeks. And that win kind of was like, I don't want to say the, 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 the jewel on top of the crown that has been the last 10 weeks, because again, premiers aren't, aren't, uh, aren't in July. awarded in, in June or July. But I mean, but crying out loud, it's, it, it, it was a 44-point win against a team that many people think should finish in the top two. Hmm. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think uh, I forgot all about Brisbane's win. Um, there was that long ago, let's be honest. Um, that's the only thing with Thursday Night Footy that I find frustrating is the fact that it extends this, the round out and you get lost in the moment. But no, I agree. I agree. Brisbane needed to make a statement, and I think they did make a statement on Thursday night. Another team that made a statement on Sunday, travelling across the country and uh, conquered, not only conquered the Eagles' fortress, but tore that fortress to shreds. They Listen to this, right? 33 scoring shots to 13. And yet just, with only 55 points. Can I just say that it's, it helps when there's a three-day lockdown or a snap lockdown that devoids the, uh, the Eagles of having a crowd? No doubt. Like literally, what, two hours before the start of the match? Yeah, look, no. Let's get, look, <laughs> I'm not trying to say anything, but like seriously, that just takes the cake. We've had some terrible ones here in Victoria, but seriously, Mark McGowan, have a good hard look at yourself. Well, I think that regardless of whether or not you're playing in front of no fans or in front of a full stadium, that performance from the dogs were incredible. And we've seen the Eagles play earlier this year in front of no fans in Perth. There was the Derby early in the year. I think Fremantle were favorites heading into that one. And the Eagles won by like nine goals. So the Eagles have no problem playing. And I know Fremantle aren't, aren't nearly as good as the dogs, but nevertheless, West Coast don't have a problem with playing in front of no one in Perth. And yet well, they did last year. They, they, uh, I can't trust them. Yeah, no, me neither. Me neither. We might as well get on to we might as well get on to the negatives. MVD, I'll ask you what your top two low lights to come out around fifteen. I'm only going to go with one because it's at this point because it's so darn frustrating to me at this point in time. But I'm going to read you some numbers, Casper. Sixteen, okay. ten. 18, 14, 20, 13. What do those numbers represent? I'll, I'll admit I kind of know the answer because I had to fix your put up on my phone already. Um, but <laughs> I promise I, I didn't cheat on purpose. Um, but it's the number of uh, behinds that some teams have picked. Uh, Correct. Again. Correct. Brisbane Lions, 13 goals, 16. Richmond, 2 goals, 10. Uh, Mel North Melbourne, 9 goals, 18. We haven't even talked about them yet, but 9 goals, 18. Melbourne, 9 goals, 14. 
Western Bulldogs, 13 goals, 20. I put the 13 in there because Adelaide, 10 goals, 13. They lost by 10 points. Like, I'm sorry, but what the heck is going on with goal kicking at the moment? Hawthorne just scrape in with 12 because they kicked 13 goals, 12. I probably should have put Sydney's ten goal, uh, Sydney's 11 in there as well. They had 10 goals, 11. The behinds outweighing the points is an epidemic that is almost in almost in comparison to what COVID is at the moment. It's sweeping the nation. It goal kicking needs to straighten up. I don't care what they 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 need to have. They need to sit back at training and have another ten shots of goal at the end of training and go right. If you make ten out of ten, you can leave. They're being paid big bucks to kick straight. Is it that difficult, Casper? Apparently so. And look, I'm, I'm just going to highlight one example. Um, one team that you didn't mention there was Essendon, eight goals, nine. One of those nine behinds. We had, well, I'm going to mention two actually. Late in the second quarter from memory. It wasn't double digits. That's why I didn't notice it. <laughs> <laughs> but still, yes, but still, nine behinds and eight goals. you got to be kicking at least 50-50. Yeah, exactly. We had... Uh, we had the momentum and we could have had an extra two goals at the end of that uh, second quarter. Jake Stringer, about from memory, 30, 35 meters out, slight angle, pushes it just to the right, which again, it wasn't a terrible miss, but you should, if you're, and Jake Stringer is such an excitement machine, but goodness gracious me, you'd, you would pay him to kick that 98, 99 times out of 100. Hell, I could probably kick that goal at least 50 times out of 100. And I'm not paid to do that. And he missed. A, a little while but after that. You look, but you look at it, you were saying, I'll start on that one while you're going with it. But that brings it back to nine goals to eight. Mm. Like that's what, five point margin. And now you're saying you're going to give me a second or another, another one. Going to give you another one. Archie Perkins, young guy I know, I know. And I know this is the trend. I blame Stevie Johnson for this. There goes talking to my the dad. Snap around the corner. Snap around the corner, especially if the angle isn't super tight. I get it if you're pushed up against the boundary line. I totally get it. But he was a good, like, 20 meters in from the boundary line. Angle wasn't that difficult to speak of. Just go for the drop punt. Now, granted, I know that there are players who can absolutely nail set shots like that. And when I was up at the GVL... By the way, uh, if you want to listen to some country football, check out GVL Action every single weekend. Um, I, I saw Seymour Lions versus uh, Mansfield Eagles. There was a lot of players on both teams who who tried those kind of set shots from you know around the corner, from angles that weren't that great, and they nailed all of them. Nobody missed. Which, of course, when you when when you see somebody do that it kind of justifies their action because they keep the goal. But actually Perkins missed, which thus highlights my point. Just go back for the drop punt. Just go back for the drop punt because drop punts will work nine times out of 10, if not 10 times out of 10. Around the corner shots, I don't know the numbers, but I'm willing to bet they're about like maybe 60%. Why would you not, why would you not go for the higher percentage? That's why not would you go anyways? Um, yeah, fair point. It is a massive problem in the AFL. For me, it has to be this one. I saw 
today uh, I went for... Casper, before you keep going, yeah, I just got something I've got to share with you. Okay, go for it. Oh, I can't because you've disabled your screen sharing and I had this all lined up. Oh, no. Wait. Well, if you enable your screen sharing, we can get this working beautifully and the synergy will just be magnificent. Okay, go for it. Perfect. I'm just going to share this with you because I think we this is exactly what we're all feeling at this point in time and it just needs to be said. So wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's, let's describe first what we're looking at to the listeners. Uh, it is Hawthorne legend Jason Dunstall. Back in 2013, he had going for a few years the uh, dribble file uh, on after the bounce he, where he absolutely launched tirades and diatribes against players who dribbled the ball and let's see what he has to say here. I don't know who it's going to be. Um, from memory, it might be Leroy Jetta, uh, former. SM. I don't. I don't know. I'm just going to play this because I think it's an apt of where we're going with it, mate. Look at yourself! <laughs> I don't reckon you'll like what you see. You could have cost your team the game. You could have cost the coach's job. I'm not allowing you to do that sort of stuff. You don't do that. You have to. I think that just sums up exactly where we're at at the moment, mate. I couldn't have done it any better. Yep, fair point. Fair point. Nobody does it better than Jason Dunstall. And, uh, yeah, look, um, in case you haven't seen the clip, it's Jason Dunstall basically throwing paper, throwing his papers all over the all over the place and crawling in frustration across the table uh, at uh, uh, across the desk towards the camera, almost like he wants to for lack of better term, strangle the players who are who are doing these ridiculous dribble shots slash kicking around the corner. Around the corner. And to be honest with you, sometimes as supporters, you know, you kind of want to you kind of want to just do exactly that. <laughs> Yell at them. Kick a drop punt. It's exactly. not that hard. Um, Sorry, I interrupted you. No, I apologize. It was terrible, but all good. good. Shout out to you, Jason Dunstall, if by some miracle you're listening to this. Um now now um Let's get serious for a second. Uh, today I saw on Fox Sports, um, yet again, two weeks after the incident with the racist tweet directed at Patty Ryder, in the aftermath of Carlton's win on Sunday. Now, granted, um, I didn't pay a heck of a lot of attention to this game. Uh, no, Carlton kicked, I think, what? It was like eight goals in the second quarter. It was a great performance. Crows came back. Um, apparently, uh, Williams just reading here, Fox sports article has been handed a one match ban for rough conduct and, um, a fan, someone decided to tweet at him to critique him for that ban, uh, but decided to make that criticism racist by adding in a racist slur at the beginning of it. And once again, we are having yet another incident where someone in 2021, no less, decides it's a great idea to use racism to attack uh, an AFL player, to attack anyone, to attack an AFL player on social media. Uh, Mitch Robinson called it out saying on Twitter, I find it unbelievable that the indigenous and multicultural boys still have to put up with this gutless 
Gut list. Yeah, there you go. Keep calling out these racist cowards. And I could not have said that any better. I am getting... I was sick and tired of it when 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 I saw Adam Goods being called uh, being called a, a, a racial um, a, a, a term with with heavy um, uh, racial meaning back in 2013 by that Collingwood supporter in the crowd and every single incident that we hear about it just breaks my heart even further and I can't imagine being an Indigenous Australian, let alone these players who are having these messages directed at them and seeing yet again that this topic is being raised by because of somebody, somebody on social media deciding it's a good idea to attack someone just because of the color of their skin and just because of their origin. If you do that in 2021, you are a gutless coward and you need to have a good hard look at yourself in the mirror and reevaluate yourself. Couldn't have said it any better myself. It's the old adage: treat others the way you want to be treated. Do you want to be called out for? Do you want to be called something like that yourself? If you don't want to be called something like that yourself, then don't say it about somebody else. How dumb do you think people are? Like they're seriously dum dumb. Like it's absolutely bonkers, and it astounds me nonetheless. No, no less. Like I know you and I were talking uh, off air before about it all, and. Uh, trying to ship them all off to the same area. I, I tend to agree with you. Like, seriously, it's just doing my head in. Seeing it week in, week out, just the same sort of stuff. I, I just can't deal with it anymore. And people need to ship up, uh, shape up or ship out one way or another. Absolutely. Absolutely. And couldn't have said that, um, could have said it any better myself. And we do just seriously, people lack empathy. People, people lack the ability to think, oh, how would I feel if that, if, if, if somebody said something like that towards me or towards somebody mm. who I know? People seriously, seriously, seriously lack that. And I, it makes me question whether or not there's a, there's a problem with, because it's not just a couple of people. It's a societal problem. It's a massive societal problem, um, and I just wonder if, if it's a problem with how we're we're raising we're raising our kids if if, if they don't have empathy. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, definitely deeper questions than can be answered on this podcast, but and probably should be answered by some people because part of me says that yes, it's just the way kids are being brought up these days. But I look at it and go, they're not the kids that are seeing this stuff on social media, are they? So you, yeah, like some someone with a bit more time and a bit more um, clout probably should be the one talking about this, but it's just disgraceful. Pull your heads out of your backsides, people, and get your stuff done. Absolutely. So for me, that had to be the number one low light, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I concur. Number two. This team has been a champion team for many, many, many years, the Tigers. And we always, and by we, I mean the general football public, we always make the mistake of writing them off. And then they always prove us wrong and they always come back. And they pull a rabbit out of the hat and they win the premiership, end up winning the grand final comfortably. But two goals, 10 in a game of football last year, 
it would have been barely acceptable. And you had the shortened quarters, the COVID impacted seasons. You even had the footy frenzy where, you know, you didn't have enough recovery time between games. And so lower scores were expected. This, you have weeks, you have a week between, you have a week rest, you have full quarters, and you can only kick two goals, 10. Now, granted, had they kicked 10 goals, two, we wouldn't be talking about it. Probably wouldn't be talking about this, but they didn't. It's like what I said before, the kicking, bad kicking. That's Shocking. one thing. Shocking. But it's not just that. This is the latest big loss at the MCG that Richmond have had this year. Comfortable loss against Melbourne there. Lost by 10 goals, 10 or 11 goals against Geelong there this year. Lost to the Swans by just over seven goals. And now lost by 40 points to a team that, unless a miracle happens, pardon the pun, the Saints aren't making the finals. So for me, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, I genuinely can't remember the last time that Richmond have struggled this much, this frequently at the MCG. Now they sit eighth. I think they're two or three games behind, uh, between, behind the top four. And they have Brisbane, Geelong, GWS still to come. A couple of other potentially tricky games. But those three games there are going to really decide, I think, whether or not, forget top four, whether or not Richmond play finals football. Lose those three games... And they will be very nervous with the Giants and potentially Essendon and maybe even Fremantle breathing down their necks. But what a shocking performance from Richmond. And you don't say that that often. No, you don't say that often, but you're right. It is shocking and they need to be called out for it. They've got the Gold Coast this week, so they'll probably bounce back with a 10-goal win, let's be honest, at their favourite venue of all time, Marvel Stadium. They hate going there, let's be honest. <laughs> but at the same, like, for goodness sake, they, yeah. You're right, there are a couple of games coming up that, that we will find and it will sort the wheat from the chaff as to how it's going on. Yes, I feel like I'm kicking cliches tonight, but still. I, I think there is a couple of them. If they don't win tonight, uh, if they don't win tonight, if they don't win this week at Marvel, they won't play finals. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. They should be able to beat the Suns. Um I think the next major question for Richmond would be whether or not now there should be an increase in crowd size in Victoria. I uh, don't think there will be. You don't reckon there will be? I don't think there will be because of everything that else is going on in, around Australia. Well, let's get on to what's going on in Australia at the moment. Uh, major talking points to come out of the weekend. And I think the biggest one, in my personal opinion, is border chaos. WA snap lockdown, cases in Brisbane, South Australia closing their borders to some state. The situation in New South Wales uh, is growing as, concerning every day. As we stand tonight, Tuesday night, there are 16 of the 18 clubs in Victoria. Wow. 16 of the 18 clubs. The other two are Croatas. So they're okay at the moment. But fair income, that's, that's a lot of football sides. It'd be nice... It, <laughs> It'd be nice if they sent them out to the regions, wouldn't it? I think and so. Said, and said, go and train in, like, this is going to sound bad, but go and train in Shepparton. Go and train in uh, Bendigo. Go and train in Sale. Go and train in Tra Ballarat. Like, give something back to the community. How would that be? Like, 
even if it wasn't a Victorian side, but it was if it was a GWS or a or a Gold Coast coming out to say a, a Deakin Reserve here in Shepparton, like it would be amazing. You'd get people there that it'd be good for players like Nick Holman and Will Brody who who've played there their whole life. But at the same time, how cool would it be to see these players up close having a crack? Muldura, they deserve so, they deserve something good to happen. They've had a terrible 24 months where they haven't had the chance of doing anything because they've been locked down because of Melbourne. Like, I don't want to, as I said, I don't want to get political, but I think that would be awesome if they decided, right, go and train, go, go to the regions, go and train. Especially the interstate clubs. What do you reckon? I think training regionally is a great idea, great opportunity for, and I know Victoria in terms of growing the game in Victoria, not necessarily needed because we're such a football mad state, but I mean, why not? Why not continue to grow the game in regional Victoria, have these teams go into state, maybe have them set up uh, uh, um, uh, open training sessions, camps, you know, uh, get the teams to do a couple of, you know, maybe uh, uh, camps with, with school kids. You know, it's a, it's a great idea. And I, I think it's really good. I would how much bonding would, how much more bonding would that be? It would be they did, they did it last year. They sent them to the Sunshine Coast. They did it up to Noosa and, and all that sort of thing. Yeah, okay, that's not regional Queensland but it, uh, per se, but it is still not Brisbane. It's mm. not the Gold Coast. Like... <sighs> Yeah. Anyway, sorry, you were going to say? No, no, no. I think it's a great idea. Now, I I think this next point they won't do because from my understanding, I don't know if this is every team, but I know that from what I understand, some teams uh, actually get to choose where their games are if they're not playing in the home state anymore. So from my understanding, from what I've seen in, in, in the media, it was actually the Swans' choice to play the Eagles in Geelong this coming weekend, which we will get to later. I would love, and I don't think clubs will do this because, you know, what, maybe maximum you can get 10,000 to 15,000 people at, like, the biggest regional uh, stadiums versus, say, if crowd size increases in Melbourne over the next few weeks, potentially upwards of 40,000 people at Marvel Stadium, potentially more at the MCG. I would love to see games being played in Shepparton, in Seymour, in Ballarat, just around Victoria as a great opportunity for perhaps people who who don't get a lot of opportunities to come to Melbourne and to see AFL games, to see AFL matches. I mean, what an opportunity AFL has to really, I think, grow their, grow their roots in Victoria. I think it would be a great idea. Now, in terms of the border, uh, should some of the teams be based in South Australia? Well, it depends what they're going to do with them. Honestly, I think that's that. That's probably what's what the case is. I, I think um, I reckon it'd be it, they'd be silly not to. 16 in out of the 18 in Victoria. Yeah, it's probably too many, isn't it? I would. Um, you'd probably probably trying to find grounds left, right, and centre. That's why I'm saying, send them out to the regions. Let them have a bit of fun out it. Like have them a bit of a holiday per se. Get back to I don't know. Yes, 
clubs like local clubs might get put out, but at the same time, give me a spell. Like it'll be for one training session. You can sh- shift your main training session from a Thursday to, like from a Thursday to a Wednesday to accommodate an AFL club. Surely. Yeah. Oh, I I think I think I'd like to see it, but I don't know. I don't think they will at this point. What about, um, and from my understanding, uh, just Googling this at the moment, Tasmania, they've apparently, uh, according to Perth now, they've they've shut their border to the Perth and Peel uh, areas in, in WA. But maybe after the two WA teams have been in Melbourne for a couple of weeks and, you know, tested negative and all that, maybe they should be based in Tassie. Well, Tassie's a likely option for which game is it this week that I see? Carlton. Sorry? Fremantle Carlton. Fremantle Carlton. So that that's a that is an option. They could fly in, fly out and all that. No problem whatsoever. But yeah, there is definitely that option to play a couple more games in Tassie. I think it's a great idea. I think it I think that will make up for the AFL. And I know that technically, you know, it, the people of Tasmania who love their footy and who dearly want a team probably won't forgive the AFL until Tasmania has a team in the Correct. competition. But until then, I think this is the next best thing the AFL can do is play a lot more matches in Tasmania than what Tasmania normally gets. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a massive crowd, especially for big Victorian clubs. So what the crowd that Essendon was able to bring to, to Launceston. So, I mean, why not send, uh, send Richmond down there or send Collingwood down there? Who knows? I mean, why not? Um, on to the next talking point. We could talk about that talk, that particular talking point for hours. I reckon it's, it's such an evolving situation. And as it stands right now, there's already been one game round 16 that's been moved. That's the Gold Coast Richmond game. One game that's yet to find an official home. That is Fremantle versus Carlton. This situation is set to induce uh, massive headaches for those at the AFL, um, especially in terms of those who have fixturing duties. And I don't envy them in the slightest. Congratulations, Travis Old. That's why we're paying you the big bucks, mate. Absolutely. You are. <laughs> now, um, we've mentioned Richmond... Off the uh, off the previous section, I want to ask you, MVD, is the three peat dead? I don't. I, like I said earlier, I don't think it's dead yet. Um, I, if they, like I said, if they lose this week, then yes, I would say that it would be. But yeah, I, I, I'm not saying it's. Uh, I'm not saying yet. Just yet. Normally, teams outside the top four can't win the premiership. Since the top eight was introduced in 1994, only twice has a team won the flag from outside the top four. The Crows did it in, I think, 98, and the Dogs did it in 2016. If there was a team who could win it from outside the top four this year, if Richmond make it in the bottom rungs of the top eight, it would be the Tigers with their premiership experience and their great players, you know, they've got a couple of injuries out, out of the Saints game. Um, hopefully for, the, for their sake, they'll get them back by the time finals comes around. 
And there's no one better at coaching finals football currently, maybe except for Alistair Clarkson, than, um, than uh, Damian Hardwick. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ridman finished fifth or sixth or hell, even seventh, maybe do a dogs, do dogs 2016, you know, win it from seventh. But at the same time, at the moment, it's so difficult to to say that Richmond are a chance for for the premiership because there's just so many teams that are better than them. You know, even the Swans who are struggling at the moment, Sydney, I think this year have a better upside than Richmond. Yeah, it's going to be. This is almost as interesting as the um, as the COVID situation. To be honest, trying to figure out what's what's going to be played, well, how this is all going to play out. There's a lot of footy to go. We are aware of that. Um, I don't think the top eight set by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I reckon there's probably still, probably still three spots up for grabs. Like I said before, West Coast. I can't trust. I can't. I don't know which way to go with it. With them, um, Richmond have a massive test this week. I know it's against Gold Coast, but still. That's I'll, I'll leave that there. Fremantle, again, still a w- bit wet behind the ears. And now that they're not going to be home for however long, good luck to them. GWS, again, can't play in Melbourne, so I'm I'm counting them out. They, they're not going to win the premiership anyway. If they're making the finals, they're making up the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, the way Essendon is playing at the moment, they are playing like you wouldn't believe. You'd be loving watching them and being a supporter of them at the moment, Casper. Absolutely. I think... Um, that I think they'd be they're going okay. Um, oh, they're going better than okay. Like seriously, sitting eleventh with a percentage of one hundred and one point nine or one hundred and two. Like, pff, come on, game on. Um, yeah. So I I, I see Essendon jumping in there. Um, do Sydney hold on? Probably just. I think I don't think they're going to make. I think they might make up the finals make up the numbers, but I mean, the door's been wide, left wide open for St Kilda to come in, haven't it? Hasn't it? They've hurt, definitely helped themselves out last week. I don't I don't see it being uh, an option that they'll make it, but they've left themselves every opportunity, haven't they? They have. The only- as, as someone says, there's, if you've got a chip in a chair. Look, without a doubt, the Saints could make it, and it would be a great story if they do, but their percentage is still even after that massive winning 82. result, 82.1%, which is still the second lowest in the competition. Uh, third. Sorry, third. Jeez. Hawthorne's is lower. Sorry, just looking at that. 5.1. But <laughs> still, nevertheless, it's it's incredible and it's an indictment on the Saints for their season so far that even after a great win like that, they still have the third lowest percentage in the league. And that massive mm. percentage differential, even between St. Kilda and Essendon, same number of wins. And if the Saints win, when we'll get to this in part three, if the Saints beat Collingwood and Geelong beat Essendon, then St. Kilda will jump the Bombers. But Essendon, unless, I mean, God forbid, unless Geelong hammer Essendon and St. Kilda annihilate Collingwood, then there's going to be a roughly 18 to 20% difference in their percentage in favor of Essendon, which is mind-boggling to think about. They have St. Kilda... Brisbane at the currently scheduled for the Gabba after the Collingwood game. Port Adelaide at Marvel Stadium. Uh, Eagles, who knows where that's going to be played? Currently scheduled for Optus Stadium. 
Carlton at Marvel, Sydney at Marvel, Geelong and Geelong, and Fremantle and Marvel. They would have to win, looking at the amount of losses that they've had, they would have to win all but one of them in order to make finals before. And I think that would be a bridge too far. But this section is about Richmond. On to the Tigers, back to the Tigers. Um, I think that uh, I'm not, I'm not saying that the uh, the three peat is dead. I'm saying the three peat is on um, its last legs, right? Almost like I think it's that movie uh, Three Hundred, that shot of 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 the and I don't know, I don't know the name of the characters, but that 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 soldier, his dying and dead brethren, all over the ground, and he's standing there, right in this massive triumphant pose as a valley of arrows volley excuse me of arrows come at him uh i want to say richmond is not quite at the arrow stage yet but the archers are starting to pull the bow back a little bit um three feet dead no almost dead yeah yeah exactly i can't you can't kill it off just yet but yeah yeah almost like i was gonna uh, maybe i shouldn't i was gonna compare richmond to cockroaches but i know my mother wouldn't like that shout out to your mum listening to this um, no, don't don't do that don't do that we love you richmond supporters we just sometimes can't stand you or your team um now on to the next big talking point richmond had a poor round 15 brisbane had a very good round 15 as i mentioned before since round four the lions have lost just one game and in that game, they were leading comfortably at halftime, only to lose by 20 points. And yeah, you might look at that and say, yikes, what a collapse. But they were playing the, the, the team on top of the ladder. They were playing the team on top of the ladder at the time and then comfortably best team in the competition. But given Brisbane's season so far, especially the last nine to 10 weeks, should Brisbane be considered premiership favorites? And if it's okay, MVD, I think I'll start off with this one. In that time, Brisbane, uh, impressive wins. They beat the Bombers by just under 10 goals, which at the time probably wasn't as impressive as it's considered now, considering how well Essendon are going. They beat Port Adelaide by just under 50 points. That's a pretty darn good win. They beat Richmond by just under five goals. Another team that Brisbane have really struggled against as of late. I think last year was their first win against Richmond since 2009. Like that's how long it had been since Brisbane beat Richmond, and they did it for the first time since 2009 last year. Beat them comfortably by 28 points. The Giants, yeah, sure, the Giants have struggled against um, some of the teams lower on the ladder, but they've done pretty well against teams uh, against good teams this year, the Giants, and yet Brisbane beat them by 10 goals. They beat North Melbourne in Tasmania. And some people might be saying, oh, well, that's not super impressive. Don't forget the fact that North Melbourne overcame a 32-point deficit to win their first game of the season in Tasmania this year. They also beat Gold Coast, their second win in Tasmania this year. And sure, you might say, well, you know, Gold Coast Hawthorne, nevertheless, it proves the fact that North Melbourne play a lot better in Tasmania than they do interstate. Melbourne were in struggle town against North at halftime in Tasmania earlier this year before coming back. Brisbane, a uh, workmanlike performance against uh, against the Kangaroos in Tassie before a 44-point demolition. And as you pointed out earlier, MVD, 13 goals, 16. 
13 goals, 16, 29 scoring shots to 15. It could have been a lot more. But nevertheless, still a super impressive victory. Uh, I think they should be premiership favorites. Based off of that, based off of who they've beaten and how comfortably they've beaten them by. Also consider the fact that they nearly beat Geelong and Geelong this year. They should have beaten Geelong and Geelong this year if it wasn't for the worst non-decision in the history of the competition. What about you, MVG? Should Brisbane be considered the current premiership favourite? I... I'm not going to say that they should be. It's a long way of saying it. <laughs> I I can't say it just yet. Um, but I will say they are one of, in my opinion, four. I reckon the race is down to four. Um, so that's what I'll go with. I don't... Yes, they're playing some good football. Yes, they should have beaten Geelong in Geelong. Yes, they should have done this. But at the same time, they're 10 and 4. I think they're one of four that could win it. And I'll leave it at that. Now, I think you already touched upon this talking point earlier, but I just want to ask you again, because I think you said, I think your answer was Essendon. Um, Who out of GWS, Essendon and Fremantle are best placed to leapfrog the teams in the lower portion of the eight into the finals? Well, I reckon there's two, as I said before, I think there's two spots available. I think Essen probably probably will, and they can finally get rid of that Twitter account that says, well, no, they won't be able to because it's days since Essen won a final. So we'll wait and see on that. Um, just to rub that in a little bit more there, Gasp. Um, <laughs> but I reckon, yeah, I reckon Essen and... <laughs> The others, I, I just don't know. Maybe West Coast or Richmond do make it. Maybe one of them do. But I I can't trust West Coast. Richmond probably will come good. So probably Essendon gets in. Just wanted to make sure that you did, in fact, say Essendon. Um, no, I was saying, I was saying um, GWS, but you heard Essendon right. only. Maybe there's a problem with your mic where you say GWS and I hear Essendon. I don't know. Maybe it's just my red and black ears. I don't know. That that wouldn't be the first time something like that's happened. (laughs) On to, uh, oh, sorry. I forgot to say what my opinion on this is. Uh, Of course you're going to say Essendon will leapfrog them. Don't worry about it. The listeners know what's going on. They know how biased you are to Essendon. And then you'll be happy because it'll be uh, Sydney and Essendon playing elimination finals. And both of them have a chance of playing in a semifinal. The dream. The dream. Unless they play each other. Oh my goodness! Don't don't even. And, like and with Buddy to kick his he's he's a thousandth goal in that game. You just know he would. You know Ooh. he would. It would I'll be- tell you what. I reckon I'd be finding a way to get to that game. Yeah, without a doubt. Buddy kicking a thousand. No one else will ever do it again. Full stop. Yeah, without a doubt. And look, and dear listeners, we want to say we take COVID restrictions very seriously. Um, so don't 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 misunderstand it. We we take COVID restrictions very seriously, and we understand that you know states don't have travel. Um, some states have travel restrictions placed on others, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if 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 uh, the border restrictions are open, and if that game was to eventuate, and if it's in New South Wales, you can guarantee that I will fight tooth and nail to somehow get to that game. 
without a shadow of a doubt. I'll tunnel my way to Sydney. <laughs> Good luck. Submarine? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I reckon, I reckon I was going to do the Bugs Bunny. Yeah, right. Yeah. That, that could work, yeah. Yeah, might end up in uh, Albuquerque, though. Um, look, I'm looking at Fremantle's draw, and uh, it's, some, it's, a, it's a tricky draw. I'm looking at it. They play Hawthorne in Tasmania, where they don't play. I think Fremantle has only won one game in Tasmania, and that was the infamous hashtag Siren Gate situation. We're against St Kilda. Against St Kilda. They don't play well in Tasmania. They don't play well against Hawthorne in Tasmania. Put it this way. What was it? 2000, was it 2005? 2006? Yeah, six. That They played Hawthorne in Tasmania in the last round of the year. They took their B side down, got absolutely oh, smoked. 2010. 2010. Yeah. Got absolutely smoked, went back home, played Hawthorne the next week with their A side and won. Yeah. Thank you. By the way, thank you. Fremantle for bringing in the pre-finals buy that no one ever wants. <laughs> Thanks, Ross Lyon. Uh, if you're listening to this, we blame you and solely you. Well, not solely you. There's also Brad Scott with North Melbourne. But I'm looking at Fremantle, and uh, it's a really they play Hawthorne and Tasmania, and as it's currently scheduled, Geelong and Perth, Sydney and Sydney, Richmond and Perth, Brisbane and Perth, West Coast and Perth before finishing off with St Kilda in Melbourne. I could easily see them losing against Hawthorne, Geelong, Sydney, Richmond, Brisbane, and West Coast. So you're saying they're not going to make the finals? No, not with that difficult. All right, let's go. The Giants, I just want to check it. I just want to do my due diligence and check the Giants. Um, The Giants can't play in Melbourne, so they're not going to play finals. Well, Giants can't play in Melbourne. Full stop. It depends on where I think they play a lot better at Marvel Stadium than they do the MCG. So I have no doubt in my mind that they would be requesting games at Marvel Stadium, most likely. Um, they play Gold Coast. Do you think that they'll beat the Suns no matter where that is? They play Sydney. Uh, if that game's in Melbourne. Hey, I, hey, we can play that at Marvel and still call it the Battle of the Bridge, the uh, Balti Bridge. That's true. Come on, ASL. Play <laughs> at Marvel Stadium. Um, <laughs> If it's in Melbourne, uh, the Swans play Marvel Stadium really well. Uh, they, they also play the MCG okay. And the Giants, as you said, really struggle at the MCG. So if it's in Melbourne, I'll probably hit the Swans in that one. If it's in Sydney, because it's at, at Giant Stadium, I think it's a toss-up. But they then play Essendon at Marvel Stadium, Port Adelaide in Canberra, where they barely lose. But again, it's against Port Adelaide. You never really know which Port Adelaide you're going to get. Geelong and Geelong. I know they beat Geelong and Geelong in 2019. They're probably not going to win this one. They're not uh, 2019 GWS. Yeah, exactly. Richmond, though, in Sydney, the last time, believe it or not, given how incredibly successful the Tigers have been over the last four or five years, the last time that the Tigers actually beat the Giants in Sydney, uh, and I'm going off the top of my head here, is 2012. 20, yeah, right, eh? Jack Rewalt, I think, kicked 10 goals and the Tigers won by like 100 points. Um, but since then... What, two years in the competition for GWS, so... Precisely. Exactly. Um, nevertheless, Jack Rewalt, if you're listening to this, we're not... Listen to me talk up the audience of this podcast. And we love you, <laughs> but listen to me. We've got, we, well, we got Jack Rewalt. We've got all these different players listening. Ross Lyon. Ross Lyon, <laughs> exactly. Um, Giants, because it's at... Giant Stadium, you probably would tip the Giants in that one, and they should beat Carlton. 
So there are three games that I am tentatively giving the Giants as... That gets them to nine and a half wins. That's not enough to play finals. Uh, Essendon need to pull off one of two upsets. Um, Geelong this week and the Bulldogs in round 21. Geelong, given uh, that Mitch Duncan is is out for a while, um, and given that, you know, hey, we beat the Eagles in Perth, so why can't we beat Geelong in Geelong? I think it's far more likely than us beating the Bulldogs. We haven't beaten the Bulldogs since 2014, and most of those losses have been massive. 87 points in 2015. Hashtag 21 in a row in 2019. Uh, never, ever, ever will I forget that game. Uh, <laughs> just awful. Uh, and they also have to avoid a couple of danger games against the Giants at Marvel Stadium and against the Swans at Marvel Stadium, especially Sydney. Because Essendon and Sydney always play a heart stopper. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Dad, if you're listening to this, did you have to choose two football teams that always play close games against each other? I'm an Essendon and Sydney supporter because of my dad. And I always watch Essendon and Sydney games and I, it's always a heart stopper. And I'm always thinking, couldn't, have, couldn't dad have chosen two teams that like one team just bullies the other? And it's always Casper, a heart wash. At least, Casper, we know that your father's got a strong heart. <laughs> that's very true that's very true um on so yeah i think that's if 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 they can negotiate the giants and the swans and beat one of geelong and the dogs as well as win the games that they should win against adelaide north melbourne gold coast and collingwood which upsets do happen upsets do happen in this league then that should get them, uh, if my math is right, get them to 12 and 10, which might be enough to get them in the finals. Or I think what's far more likely is that we'll finish ninth or 10th. <laughs> uh. Uh, so out of those four, out of those three teams, I do think we are the most likely, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think the top eight is locked, uh, just whether or not the positions within the top eight are locked, that is to be seen. Now, on to the round 16 tips. Uh, what an interesting fixture that we have ahead. For some reason, they put Gold Coast on Thursday Night Football. And no offense, Gold Coast. I know that you guys have been starved for an opportunity to play primetime slots. But that is kind of for a reason. And normally, the AFL likes to award teams that have played well with primetime time slots. And so the fact that they have Gold Coast versus Richmond, uh, I, I genuinely don't know why this is the Thursday night game instead of the Melbourne versus GWS game, which I think would have would be is going to be the much better game. But nevertheless, it's a game that we have. Gold Coast versus Richmond on Thursday night football at Marvel Stadium. MVD, I'll let you start off with this one. Can Gold Coast, I feel like I'm saying this almost every single time that Gold Coast play a successful team. Can Gold Coast pull off the mother of all upsets or will the Tigers bounce back? Well, it's a 50-50 game. Surely they can do that. Surely 50-50. Well, they're both running out at the same time. They're both turning up. They're both heading out there. It's a 50-50 game. We toss a coin. We see what happens. 
That's very true. That's very true. Richmond will win this win this by a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think the less said about it, the better. Fair point. Uh, I think Richmond by about 50 points. And it, I could easily see that being by a lot more. Um, Depends if they kick straight. Yeah, that's true. That's they very had, true. Out of the 10 behind, uh, what was it? Two goals, 10? Yes, they had 10 behinds. Two, they had eight behind kickers. Wow. Two goal kickers and eight behind kickers on the weekend. That's crazy. That's crazy to think about. Um, Tom Lynch, I think, should be coming back. And there's another premiership player whose name I just can't quite recall off the top of my head should be coming back as well. Uh, if I was a Gold Coast supporter, honestly, might as well watch Melbourne Storm v Sydney Roosters on Thursday night. I'm watching that anyway. That should be an awesome game. I'm watching that anyway. Munster needs to do something. He did yeah. nothing in the origin the other night. Oh, shocking game. There's what has happened to Queensland. Wait, sorry. Wait, it's, just, it's not about origin. It's not about origin. <laughs> right. Queenslander. On to Friday night football. Geelong versus Essendon. Is this At- the country round? It is. This is the country game, country round, Geelong versus Essendon in Geelong, the first time since 1993 that the Bombers have headed to the Cattery. Very interesting matchup, potentially. Now, uh, I'll start off with this one, if that's right, MVD. Can my Bombers pull off the much needed... Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Let me ask you the question, because it sounds bad if you ask yourself the question. Okay, two seconds. Scratch, right. scratch the last 10 seconds. They never happen. Go. Right. Casper, can your beloved Bombers pull up the upset of all upsets and beat Geelong in the country game in the country? Probably not. Well, there you go. Probably not. I say it's in the country. Yeah. I, I, I jest. Geelong's not the country. No, no. Sorry, but go on. Compared to Melbourne, it's the country, but no, it's not really. Um, no, they can't. Uh, probably not. Just why? I think uh, Geelong's defense is super strong. Not only is Geelong's defense one of the strongest in the league, but I think that Geelong's forward line is one of the strongest in the league. And league, and while our defense has done really well, it's still really young. And so I'm kind of nervous about uh, Geelong's forward line. And I expect Geelong to bounce back because a Premiership contender getting a smackdown like they did against Brisbane, almost always rebound the week after that, which, what, which, to be honest, is what made Richmond's performance against St Kilda so nervous, uh, so, so shocking for, from a Richmond's perspective. You know, lost to the Eagles and Perth, you expect them to bounce back and they get smashed by the Saints. But I think Geelong will bounce back. Uh, yes, MVD. Will we get to see your mid-season draftee and former Seymour Lions footballer, Sam Durham, play for the Bombers this weekend. He's been uh, emergency a couple of weeks in a row. Will he play this week for Nick Cox, do you reckon? Uh, from my understanding, Nick Cox didn't get injured. In, no, didn't get injured. No, but he didn't do too well. No. Like I'm just thinking, give him a rest, freshen him up. Yeah, maybe he does need a rest. But for me, I don't know if this game is the kind of game where you use a debutante. Like when you play, and there's nothing on, on Sam at all. Nothing, no, nothing on Sam at all. But why not stick with the formula that has proven successful 
at multiple times this year and help beat the Eagles in Perth. I reckon play Sam Durham in a game that, and this may sound a bit cocky, but a game where you're, uh, a game perhaps not against one of the best teams in the competition. So play Adelaide and North Melbourne the preceding two weeks. Give Sam a run against them. That's Reece, what I- does Ray Stanley come back in? For the big serve? Yeah. They're, they're playing one and a half. Are they playing a one and a half Ruckman or even one Ruckman Geelong at the moment? I have no idea. Geelong's Ruck situation has been a disaster for years. Radicalier and Blixarves as the Ruck combo. I, I just don't see that happening. Surely Stanley's good enough to be playing in that side. Yeah, look, no doubt Stanley's a, a good player, but Geelong's problem is that they haven't had a, a, a very good or a, or a great ruck since Brad Ottens. Mark Blake was all right. Again, all right. Evan had a great ruckman since Brad Ottens. And you look at you look at Melbourne there, Max Gorn, even clubs that are struggling like Collingwood, you know, you still have Brody Grundy. Look at young ruckman coming up, Sean Darcy at Fremantle, he's going to be a superstar. And look at yeah. I have high hopes for Sam Draper at Essendon. You look at Geelong and you look at their rock combo and you think, is it enough for them to win the Premier potentially? But with that being said, I think even if Essendon dominate the hitouts, Geelong's midfield uh, midfielders should be too strong for Essendon. I'm tipping the bombers by uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm tipping the cats by about two goals. How about you? I Geelong need to bounce back. Um, they do. Essendon will push them. I, I see it being. I, I could see this being less than a goal this game. Um, but I reckon, yeah, I reckon Geelong. Interesting to note, and you, I look at the betting has to take I look at the way things bet or what the way the head to head betting on things just purely as an as a guide of to see who thinks what is happening. Geelong a dollar twenty two to win. Essendon four dollars thirty five outsiders. Now to me I find that is staggering. The way Essendon have gone the last month that they are that far outside if you think of about a dollar ninety being even Casper I think to be for Essendon to be that far outside of that, that surprises me big time. Do I reckon they can win? Yes, I do. Honestly, because Geelong at times have looked really, really slow and they've been found out at times. They got found out last week and they got angry. So if Essendon can create what Brisbane did, then they've got every right to win. Geelong, though, I think will win by less than a goal. It's going to be another thriller. Absolutely. And I remember last week on the podcast, me saying, oh, yeah, we have a much better chance of beating Geelong and Geelong than we do Melbourne at the MCG. Uh, that was before Geelong got crushed by Brisbane. Yeah. If, if it was a closer loss, then I would be far more confident on us catching Geelong because, you know, perhaps the Cats would think, oh, OK, you know, it was a decent performance against Brisbane. But now I don't think that I don't think. Maybe there's an outside chance we can catch Geelong on the run, but I don't think we can. Uh, I don't think we can expect to surprise them. To be honest with you, uh, on to Saturday, and it's at the MCG, Melbourne versus the Giants. MVD. We've said that the Giants can't play in Melbourne, 
and they can't play at the MCG. Uh, they have beaten Melbourne at the MCG before. It was a while ago, but they have actually it wasn't that long ago. Twenty nineteen, done it a couple of times. I think twenty nineteen and twenty fourteen. Can they add twenty twenty one to that admittedly very short list? If anyone, if they can, if they well, if they're going to do it, it's going to be this time. But no, Melbourne are playing that well at the moment. I think that they'll win this very comfortably. Um, I did have a thought that went through my head that said uh, 10, 11 goals. Um, whether it's that, I don't think it will be, but Melbourne should win this one. I need to ask you your opinion on the Brownlow medal at some point as well, Casper, because for me, I want to see a race. I want to see uh, a race in two, I think, at this point, Ollie Wines and uh, Clayton Oliver, which are two former schoolmates. It's going to be very difficult, I think. And obviously, you know, I'm saying this before the game's played. It's entirely possible that one of them has a really quiet game, but I would be shocked um, if if uh, if we only have one of them having a big impact or, or, or neither of them having a big impact. They're such great players. It would be really difficult, I think, for the umpires, unless it's a massive or a comfortable Melbourne win, if it's a close game and I'm, and I'm one of the umpires, I'm thinking who the heck am I supposed to get three, three, three Brownlow votes to like, who the hell am I supposed to say had the, had the biggest impact? It could be either player. It could be someone like Christian Petraka, who I thought was very good against Essendon last week. Mm-hmm. Take a little wave to the crowd as an Essendon supporter. I'll admit didn't really like that, but nevertheless, he did kick the goal. So he did win the right to celebrate however he wanted to. So full kudos to you. Uh, I'll throw in another name in there. Travis Spoke. We haven't got to Port Adelaide yet, but yeah. Touche. Okay. If you're asking my opinion out of those two players, I'll probably say Clayton Oliver. Fair enough. How many possessions does he get this week? 29. I was thinking 30 plus. Yeah. So Fair. I think we're in the range, right sort of region. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. So you're tipping the D's, I'm guessing. Yeah, D's by anything north of five goals. I think it will be a lot closer than what you're predicting. Melbourne don't blow teams away. They don't annihilate teams. I think their biggest win was, I think, five, maybe six goals uh, against the Dogs and against Richmond. But it's really interesting. Melbourne against the top eight teams this year, impeccable. Against the bottom 10 teams, unconvincing and the giants uh, unfortunately for GWS, but fortunately for this week find themselves in the latter group. So because of those couple of factors, I think Melbourne are going to win by three goals. Uh, Would I be surprised if it was less than that? Uh, No, it should be an interesting game. 50% chance of rain, according to my iPhone weather app for, excuse me, for Saturday as well. And if that's the case, then if it does rain, Blowouts rarely happen in the rain anyways. Correct. So um, if I was a GWS supporter, I would be praying to Zeus or whoever is in charge of the rain to let it pour on Saturday. Uh, Speaking of potentially letting it pour, these two teams are two high-scoring teams. They kick a lot of points. Currently at the Adelaide Oval, should be at the Adelaide Oval. Um, I'm guessing that 
the South Australian government, and this is just an entire hypothesis, is going to give Brisbane the permission to fly in and fly out like they have done to other teams so far this season. But it's Adelaide versus Brisbane at the Adelaide Oval. I'm tipping Brisbane by 26 points. The Crows this year, I think, have been one of the biggest positives based off of their performance last year, which granted isn't saying much when you're the worst team in the competition. There isn't really any other direction you can go except for up, although mm-hmm. I guess you can stagnate. So for because it's at the Adelaide Oval and because the Crows have proven this year to be very dangerous, especially against top teams at the Adelaide Oval, beat Geelong, beat Melbourne, They'll push Brisbane, but I think Brisbane's class is going to be too much. Lions by 26. Yeah, I'm with you. Lions by five goals. I think they're doing really well. And I'm sorry to say, probably uh, what uh, Joe Danaher is doing all right, besides his acting ability. Um, I think he's doing a, a pretty good job up there and they're making it work. I don't know. Maybe Joe Danaher was putting in his nomination for best actor. Oh, well, he's allowed to, I suppose, every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, why not? Why not? Everybody gets a gets a crack at the Golden Globes. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he was trying out. I think he's just missed the cutouts, uh, the the uh, the tryouts for twenty twenty one Tokyo. But maybe he's trying out for twenty twenty four Paris Olympics. Who knows? Yeah, that's probably true. But anyway, we'll see see what happens. I'm saying Brisbane will win this one as well. Yeah, so Fremantle Carlton at a venue to be confirmed. Tasmania, Geelong, who knows? It could be played in Play it at Launceston. Play it at I know it's gonna be bitterly cold down there. Don't go to Bell Reef, but play it at Launceston. I think it'll be I reckon they'll get a good crowd. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon the Taswegians will come out and uh and support it. Um and I reckon Carlton might win this one. Ooh. Ooh, how come? Why are you tipping the boot? Well, something happened uh, against Adelaide and they got a they got the W. Sometimes you need to win ugly and they seem to have done that, even though their kicking was terrible. Um, but I think that definitely they're a chance of cause, uh, taking a win here against Fremantle. Uh, I'll admit I'm kind of torn on this one, and I normally don't do this. Uh, I like you're going to tip a draw, aren't you? No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, but I'm going to say this if the game is in Tasmania, I'd be very tempted to go with Carlton because Fremantle just plays so terribly in Tasmania. I don't know what it is about their state, it's like they're allergic to playing football in Tassie. But if it's in anywhere else in Adelaide, in Geelong, anywhere else. But, Tazzy, I'm tipping Fremantle. And the reason is because even Carlton's win against the Crows last week once again proved that they are incapable of playing four quarters of football. In that second quarter, they kicked eight goals four, which apparently is their highest scoring quarter since uh, 2012, round 21, uh, against Essendon. I was unfortunately at that game. It was an awful game. Carlton won by 96 points. I wish I could forget it, but unfortunately, when it comes to football, I seem incapable of forgetting big Essendon losses that I've seen live. Um, <laughs> it's like a terrible superpower that I have. Uh, but they kicked 52 points in that second quarter to 18. Incredible. For the second half, they kicked two goals including just five behinds in 
the last quarter. Now you might be saying five behinds. Okay, they had the opportunity to kick five goals, five behinds. You know, it's not a true indication of how of how that quarter went. Nevertheless, they went goalless in that last quarter. And in that same second half, two goals the Blues kicked. The Crows kicked five goals, seven. Imagine, imagine if it was the other way around. We'd be talking of yet another Carlton collapse, mm. similar to what they did against the Dogs. Fremantle, granted, struggle outside of WA, but at least they can normally play four quarters of football. You normally get a four-quarter consistent effort, and that's why I'm tipping Fremantle by 10 points. Now, your team, MVD, at Marvel Stadium, pretty rare that you guys play a home game at Marvel Stadium, versus Port Adelaide. You know, before we keep going on this one, I do want to say that it is uh, Sean Burgoyne's 400th game. Wow. Um, he is the first Indigenous player to make 400, and I think that is an amazing achievement for a bloke that was only supposed to have a couple of years on the Hawthorne list uh, because he was body was banged up. I think uh, he's an amazing effort by Sean and by the club. Um and if this happens to be his last year, which in all intents, all the noises that you're hearing is it is, um, it's been an amazing career. And credit to him. Uh, have a look through the Hawthorne social media, Hawthorne Football Club social media pages. There's a massive, uh, an, an awesome tribute by some of his kids looking at his, some of his highlights and calling them. I think it's been it's absolutely uh, hilarious and and fantastic. But I'm tipping. I am tipping Hawthorne. It will be a bit of an upset, but. If they're going to do it, if they're going to do it, they're going to do it against Port Adelaide, and they're going to they're going to do it for Sean. Like I know that everyone talks about players getting up for milestones and all that, but the buzz around that club this week would be unbelievable. And Hawthorne will have two, not one, but two 400 game footballers. I will say this: Hawthorne do it better than any other club, the family club that support for their players with regards to their families. I, I always love it whenever you see a Hawthorne great reaching a milestone or, or in their last game and the support that the club shows and their supporters show. I was there at Roughhead's last game against Gold Coast round 22. So 20. was I. There you go. Maybe we were even sitting in the same area and we wouldn't even have known. <laughs> uh, but for me, that it just kind of epitomized the fact that even though I, no offense, hate the Hawks, I just admire greatly how they go about it. And Sean Burgoyne, one of the best players uh, in general to do it, easily one of the best Indigenous players, even even you know, potentially the best Indigenous player to to have played the game so far. Absolutely. It's an interesting top three, though. Yeah. it's Goods, McLeod, Burgoyne. It's, yeah. I mean, geez, who would you, who would you, who would you give that goal? Let's talk, let's talk about that another time. Yeah, true, true. You could talk about that for half an hour as well. Um, that being said, Hawthorne undoubtedly will make this a close game for Sean Burgoyne. And now that I know that it's Sean Burgoyne's 400th game, I'm going to lessen the margin. I was going to, <laughs> I was going to have them winning by 25 points, but now I'm tipping Port Adelaide by, by 24. <laughs> I'm tipping them by seven points. Um, it's going to be a great game of football, but if Port Adelaide want to and you know they're in the top four nobody's taking them seriously as a top four contender if they want to prove that they are a top four contender 
in 2021 and that they deserve to be in fourth position, which is where they are at the moment. They just have to beat Hawthorne. They have to. It's a potential banana skin for them, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially after so, the, 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 the rich vein of form that Hawthorne has, has struck the last three games. Mm. So, now nah, go Sean, go Hawks, by however much it takes. All the best for you, Silk. One of the best to have ever done it. Uh, and best wishes for the future whenever you do decide to um, hang up the boots. Now, on to Sunday uh, afternoon football at GMHBA Stadium. It's Sydney versus West Coast. Now, MVD. These Swans uh, have a very good record at this stadium. I think three out of the last four. The Eagles last won there in 2006. And when they do play there, get hammered. Earlier this year, they lost by 97 points. Can the Eagles finally end another Grand hoodoo. They broke their SCG hoodoo earlier this year. Can they break their GMHBA stadium hoodoo? The last time these two sides played at a neutral venue, correct me if I'm wrong, was probably the 2005 grand final, 2006 grand final. You're forgetting oh. last year. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Uh, at, at the, okay. Yeah, fair call. At a neutral venue in Victoria. 2006, I reckon. Yeah. 2005, 2006 grand final when they both... They won one each, one grand final each. If we get a game like that, I'm going to be loving it. Oh. I'd love to see a three-point thriller. Absolutely. And you know, I would love, right, for not someone like Leo, actual Leo Barry to run on Leo Barry, you star. Quarter and take a big pack mark. Oh, gee, they're being a massive mark, I think. But who are you tipping, the Swans or the Eagles? Ugh, swans. I can't trust. I said it earlier. I can't trust the Eagles. I'm going to Swans. Bud to kick another three or four. Yeah, I think this one's by 27 points. Given the stadium, if this was elsewhere, if this was at Marvel Stadium or the MCG, I think twenty. I think it would be a closer game. But to be honest with you, 27 points for the Eagles in Geelong kind of seems a little bit generous for West Coast. No well, West Coast. you know what I was talking about with the betting before? Yeah. About a dollar ninety being the benchmark. This is a dollar eighty-four for the Swans to win, two dollars for the Eagles to win. I'm amazed it's that. Clo- I am amazed it is that close. Truthfully. So the punters can't work out who the, who's going to win either. Same as this next game. I'm happy to move on if you are too. Yeah, Con- let's go on to the next one. And before we move on, obviously, gamble responsibly. <laughs> Collingwood versus St Kilda at the MCG. MVD. I'm tipping the Saints. I'm tipping the Saints. If you would have asked me this this time last week, I would have said Collingwood 100% will win this game because their form was better. But I'm sorry. How can you not tip St. Kilda after what they did to Richmond? I'm actually tipping the Saints too. Collingwood should have beaten Fremantle last week. I don't know what happened there, but I'm not even going to get stuck into it. But Normally, they bounce after they sack a coach and the assistant comes in to take over. They didn't bounce. I tipped Collingwood then and they didn't bounce. Like, seriously, what's going on? They could need to bounce. Nah. For, St Kilda for mine, I think, will get, get there as well. Um, even though they are outsiders, according to the bookmakers. So, But $2.07 to $1.79. Yeah, another torn one. Um, look... 
it's actually, and I can't remember the exact number, but I think it's like something like since the start of the millennium, something like 15 out of the uh, 15 out of the 31 coaches that have taken over from the midway point of the season have actually won. Mm. Uh, 16 have lost. And that was before Harvey. So I don't know where this myth has come in into the AFL. I used to believe it too. And then I heard that number and it like, it's almost like learning that. No, I don't want to say anything in case any kids are listening to this. Um, look, <laughs> but it's like learning that something that you've believed in so long isn't actually reality, you know? Yeah, true. Um, yeah. I think the Saints are going to win this. I'm amazed that they're actually underdogs in this one just because it's at the MCG. My question is can the Saints continue the momentum because they're a very hot and cold team this year St. Kilda pushed Geelong should have beaten Geelong should have been in the Swans should have been in the Crows comfortably beat Richmond and yet got annihilated by Essendon Richmond early in the year Port Adelaide Western Bulldogs you never know who you're going to get Collingwood have won these last three their last three encounters by an average of 38 points so we're tipping St. Kilda we've got no idea we'll uh, see what happens yeah, very and true. And I'm the one with the glasses. <laughs> well, look, we don't know what's going to happen. And truth be told, but truth be told, those last three occasions have happened when Collingwood has been a very good team and St. Kilda has been a very average or poor team. True. I don't know. Anyways, Saints to Saints to beat Collingwood. We both agree on this one. I think this last one is pretty self-explanatory. No offense, North Melbourne supporters. Western Bulldogs versus North Melbourne. How many would Josh Bruce kick this week? We kicked 10 last time, didn't he? 10. Yeah, well, that's true. Put him down for at least five. You know how I was saying about the, the betting and all that? I was illustrating. I was doing that for a reason because I've had a look at the betting on this game. The uh, the Western Bulldogs, $1.04. You can only get down to $1.01 as a favourite. Uh, and North Melbourne, $11. And that's after North Melbourne had a win. Jeez. If they hadn't have had that win, would it have been 15 to $21? I don't know. Um the dogs will win this one and win it comfortably. That's enough said. Yeah, same here. I don't think I have to explain myself um, much. I think the dogs by 50 points. And if, if they do win by 50 points, North Melbourne supporters, you should be ecstatic because that's a 77-point improvement in the space of 12 weeks, 11 weeks, whenever it was. So, yeah, full kudos to you, North Melbourne. Um, yeah, it would be very interesting to see who scores more, Josh Bruce or North Melbourne. Very true. Hey, Casper, my um, battery's running out of my computer at the moment. <laughs> so I'm sorry. We might have to wrap it up then. We will wrap it up there. MVG, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. It's a fun episode, a long episode, but a fun one. Thank you so much for joining me. Good luck for Saturday night. Um, and honestly, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's just because of Sean Burgoyne's 400th game. I, I wouldn't mind if Hawthorne won. I'll take it any way I can get it, mate. I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. Amazingly, I didn't spontaneously come up saying that. Uh, <laughs> thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. Join me next week and a co-host to review round 16 and preview round 17 of this ever-evolving, ever-changing AFL landscape. Thank you very much. Until then, bye.